Hello and welcome to Punch Drunk Boxing Podcast. Um, this week's episode is not sponsored by San Miguel Lager. We're taking a stand against them since they've yeah, never given us shit They haven't sent us any four packs or anything or any San Miguel posters. So all we the good people of San Miguel, you fuck yourself now. Yeah, That's I mean, I'm still, I'm still leaving the images up on our website. <laughs> <laughs> it took me too long to stick up and I can't really be bothered to take it off. But uh, yeah, done. We're not sponsored by them no more. Only this week. We'll bring them back next week. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. All right. Hello and welcome. Yeah, welcome to Punch Drunk Boxing, a, a, a podcast by two big boxing fans. Mm-hmm. Um, All the way up to episode nine. Episode nine, yeah. Um, so sit back and get ready to enjoy. Okay, so uh, yeah, we're going to start off with some general nonsense. Uh, Garrett did quite rightly point out to me that I uh, forgot to mention our names. Uh, <laughs> not that that's really much of an issue. If I listen to a podcast, can give a bollocks who, <laughs> what their names are, really. Uh, mine, I'm Richard anyway. And I'm Garrett. Yeah, that's changed, changed your life, hasn't it, mate? You <laughs> added that in. Probably would have turned off if you haven't fucking already turned off. Uh, right, okay, Garrett, let's crack on with a bit of general nonsense. Nonsense. So, um, yeah. again, all the regular listeners would like to start off with uh, as much a... Uh, bit, bit of light-hearted silliness. Anyway. Break up the... <laughs> I heard this uh, story about Evander Holyfield when I was uh, doing the research during the week. And, oh, um, yeah. The story was told by this guy who does the commentary on WWE... And um, All right. this must have been a couple of years back, and they brought in. Is Evan- it Jesse the Body Ventura? No, it's one that Michael Cole Ain't is. got time to bleed. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Cole is one, and this guy is who? Anyway, the other commentator. Anyway, oh, Taz. And um, <laughs> he's up the box, and on this show, they decided to bring in Evander Holyfield to do have a boxing match with Matt Hardy. Oh. Matt, brother of Jeff, who is one of my heroes as a youngster. And uh, anyway, Brilliant. so. I bet they told Evander Holyfield he was really fighting for the world heavyweight title. You've no idea. <laughs> All right. So the host is up on the show and he obviously has to get Evander Holyfield across. He's saying, oh, the greatest guy ever, blah, 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 blah. He turns off the kind of microphone as he goes to the ad break and turns to the uh, co host and goes, listen, I've met Evander Holyfield before and this guy's a fucking scumbag. All he does, he gives like the big and spout arm of a really kind of Christian guy. We were talking yeah, about this not, a couple yeah, of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, he just he sleeps, he's been the least faithful man yeah. in the world. And, and uh, apparently he presents himself as being like a really strong Christian and comes across with a lot of Jesus and all this. Anyway, the host meets him and said, yeah, he's just a scumbag. I knew he had nine kids with nine different women. He doesn't give a fuck about any of this. It's all facade and show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's bitching to the co host about this. And his mic's on, is it? His mic, not only is his mic on, but his mic goes directly into the green room. Where Evander Holyfield oh, is that sitting. That is fantastic. Evander Holyfield is sitting in the green room with one of his kids on his lap. Oh, opposite him. Okay, that ain't cool. Opposite him is sitting Matt Hardy. And Matt Hardy is looking back. And the, the guy just keeps on going on. Yeah, he's a scumbag, doesn't fuck about women, he's just a piece of shit, blah, 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 blah. Matt Hardy is sitting opposite Evander Holyfield, like, I'm literally getting into a box and match this guy <laughs> like a minute's time. Uh. This guy's going to take my fucking head off. Evander Holyfield, one of his um, help, apparently just goes deathly silent, just cold. Like the kid sitting on his lap, just incredibly fucking pissed off. And uh, someone wrote. the kid? The kid must be, I don't know, like five or six. Oh, right. He probably didn't really understand, is he? No, but Evander Holyfield clearly understands. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, someone runs back upstairs and tells He might not have understood. He has taken a lot of big shots. <laughs> Evander Holyfield, uh, one of his helpers, runs back upstairs and goes to the co host. Listen, you have to apologise, ba ba ba. Co-host stood his ground. Well, I'm not doing it. Listen, he is a scumbag. I'll go down and apologise because he's a guest on for the WWE and we shouldn't be yeah, insulting yeah, our guests, yeah. but I'm not telling him he's a nice guy, he's a scumbag. Yeah. And they're all like, oh, okay, can you go down and say that to him then? And he goes, okay. So he gets off from his chair, he's walking out of the room and all the other hosts are like, what if <laughs> Michael Cole just leans over and goes, right, if he comes at you, just shoot for the legs. Shoot for the legs. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, i got to give him a lot of credit. He walks downstairs into this room. And uh, Evander Holyfield is just sitting there giving him like a dirty stare. And one of uh, uh, Holyfield's bodyguards just comes over and goes, no, listen, you can't. Don't come close. Don't say nothing to yeah. him. And the guy goes, okay, fine. Leave it that. Nothing happened. He just kind of yeah, went back yeah, upstairs. Yeah, yeah. And then Evander Holyfield back to ring and beat the shit out of Matt Hardy. Really? Not like really bad, but maybe a little bit more uh, venom to the punches than uh, otherwise <laughs> would have been there. Mind you, I've seen Matt, didn't Matt Hardy once jump off um, a building? No, you're thinking of, um, oh, watch man, Vince Neil's son. Not Vince Neil. Here comes the money. (laughs) Money, 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 money. Obviously, Vince Neil is the lead singer from Motley Crue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Sugar... Oh, what's his name? I was going to say Sugar Shane. It's not him. Um... Something McMahon. Something... All you big fans, I think you'll know who he is. But anyway... Let's let's end that. That's a a good story. (laughs) I liked it. That's quite... 
I'd be interested to... It's not related to boxing, I have to say, but just one of these other little things I heard during the week. Do you know who uh, Alexander... uh, Alex Rodriguez, do you know who that guy is? The guitarist. No, he's um, <laughs> he's a uh, basically he's a baseball player for the New York Yankees. Oh, does he get done for the the doping? Is he like one yeah, of yeah, the, that's he was it. one of the biggest hitters or something like that? Basically, he's briefly his story is that he before he went to the Yankees with the New York Rangers and he's like this amazing player, three time player. Of the yeah, Yankees, yeah, 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 yeah. Joined the Yankees and was shit basically for like six years. Yeah. And then in two thousand nine, he played one really good season and then yeah. they signed him up to a ten year, thirty million dollar per year contract. All right. Since then, he's been the shittest player of the Yankees had in years. And every time they asked him, because he's like a big star, every time they go, listen, how do you feel like sitting on the bench? You've been benching, you're one of the biggest stars in the world. How do you feel about that? He puts on the same big shit-eating grin and goes, hey, whatever is best for the team. Listen, if the manager decides to put me on the bench, I'll accept it. It's just uh, it's baseball. Whatever's best for the team, best for the team. Yeah. And um, anyway, so he's famed at the moment for just like going around and picking up women and just... In- Having the time. Bit, bit of a boy, then. Bit of a boy. And, uh, anyway, it. How much does he get paid for? 30 million a year. And the Yankee oh. fans hate him because, oh, he's just taking all the money and all oh. this nonsense. Anyway, the reason that I love him, apparently he's, like, incredibly arrogant. And uh, one of the girls who, like, some kind of sex story came out in the press. And so they, she went into his house, go into his, like, a New York apartment, go into the bedroom. Yeah. And on the wall, he's got one. He's got two paintings, like, six-foot oh. square paintings of him as a centaur. <laughs> as, in, as in the Greek Beast of myth, like that. Oh, ha- the half bull, half man thing. The half horse, half. Oh, that men. right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was it's like a, a, it's a six foot high painting. Two of these, a body of a horse, and just his head and body smiling back. And he had two of them painted and stuck in his bedroom. That is He's the one of the greatest men I've ever heard. <laughs> I've that never. Is absolutely mental. <laughs> Prince Nazim doesn't have that amount of confidence. I don't fuck what he says. I've heard Prince Nazim as one of him um, as a lion. It's exactly the body of a lion. Except it's just his face. <laughs> and, it's, and it was printed out on one of those Windows printers and it's just like posted on, stuck on. Oh, I swear um, if I had more money, I could into it. Okay, well, you're right. That definitely wasn't boxing related, <laughs> but it's good nonetheless. Okay, so moving on to the uh, news. What's been happening in the world of boxing, Gary? So in uh, the last couple of weeks, we saw uh, Kel Brook, after his uh, recent win, has um, he basically went out and said, listen... To his promoter, Eddie Hearn, I want a big fight, big name. And oh, Hearn yeah. said, I definitely have this for you, mate. Don't worry about it. Lovely. Who did he get? Senchenko. <laughs> the uh, fella who, I guess he's most famed for beat Ricky Hatton. Retired Ricky Hatton, we'll say. Oh, his prime, second retirement. prime Ricky Hatton. <laughs> <laughs> who had his hunger back. <laughs> there's nothing, Not prime. Not I'll say prime there's, but... there's nothing more dangerous than a hungry Ricky Hatton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that's uh, Kel Brook. He's uh, got that one signed up. He just... Doesn't get big names. People just don't want to fight this guy. Mate, what are you talking about? Have you seen how long that name is? Shinchenko, his first name, I can't even pronounce that. How is it spelled? V-Y-A. No one should start their name with a V or Y and an A. It's not even that uh, Shinchenko's like a bad fighter. It's just that, uh, again, Kilbrook is... He's just having a hard time, but I'd say... I think think, think that's a a good enough name. It's just... Not for me. No, if I was, if generally if I was him, I'd be kind of sort of like, come on. Son, yeah, come I on would. Have, it's definitely when you think he had the light fight lined up with Devin Alexander, and he's been banging on about knocking Amir Khan's block off for yeah. about three years. You'd expect he would. It may, but it's 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 a step in the right direction, yeah. I'd say. But uh, in other news, and this might well be my favourite story in the last couple of weeks, that uh, there's going to be a fight, hopefully, between the former four division world champion Roy Jones Jr. And this time he's decided to step it up and fight the former UFC light heavy oh. champion, Quinton Rampage Jackson. What's what is it gonna be in a box? Is it yeah, boxing? Yeah, yeah, boxing match. So it's not like half and half. They have a round off. <laughs> <laughs> that would be such a good idea. I can't see Roy Jones adapting to the UFC style. I can't imagine Maybe Jackson. I could I'd tell you what I could imagine. Roy Jones Jr. having um one round of boxing and then having like a quarter of basketball <laughs> to change it. And then after the first quarter of basketball, back to boxing. Who would be a good opponent? We'll such... throw that out to you guys. Michael Jordan? I mean, he'd skin him on the... It's skin him on, on the boxing. On the boxing yeah. and on the, the basketball court. No, let's think of it. Do we know any... What good, what good basketball players were also a bit tasty over the years? Certainly back in like the city, a Metal lot of a lot of good. I've got it. Well, there's two. Came if you from... ever seen a uh, Larry Bird in his heyday, he was a mean, vicious animal. Was he? But uh, met World Peace. Oh yeah, I love that guy. You really don't like him. He's a scumbag. He's, he's not a scumbag. If no one knows who that is, he's just type his, type his name into uh, Google. Nah, he's, he's a this, character. Um, I like a, him. He's a shithead. He's not a shithead. Look him up on Google. He just, he's just—he's violent. Anyway, 
Yeah, that would be my choice. Because Roy Jones could just punch him in the face repeatedly and that'd do him a bit of good. Ah, oh, it's... Oh, no. <laughs> Honestly, type in Metal World Peace. I might do a bit on him on the next episode. I really like that guy. He's got some brilliant <laughs> things. Yeah, he's a bit of a lunatic, it's but just... in the right in the right balance. Nasty piece of work. Anyway, uh, what else came up? That a former world champion, Hall of Famer, friend of the show, Roberto Duran, he was uh, recently asked about uh, Floyd Mayweather and just said, what do you think? What is he? Blah, 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 blah. And he said, listen, if he was a Meyer, nothing but average. Just nothing going on. Just another guy in the bunch. Just another guy in the Is bunch. Is that a quote? That's his direct quote. Was it? Yeah. That's I a bit harsh. It's a, a little bit, bit harsh. Although he's a friend of the show. Um... I mean, I do I do happen to think, I mean, the questions are always thrown out there. How would Floyd have got on with, like, the the four kings? Mm-hmm. Now, I personally think he would have lost against <laughs> all of them. But... Um, yeah, I do. I do think. I have my doubts on that. I think Floyd is uh, his skills are. Yeah, his defense is. Yeah, no, I'm not saying he'd lose to... easily. I'm not saying he gets skinned, but I think, I think, um, I think Tommy, Tommy would have too much. Mm-hmm. His, his boxing skill, his height advantage, the reach, the speed. I mean, Tommy would have to and the power. All right, his chin wasn't that great, but Floyd doesn't have that that explosive power, all that work rate to really trouble Tommy that much. You'd think Hagler Hearns has a. A fucking adamantium skull, <laughs> and that guy is an all rounder in every way. Duran, I don't know, would he just get in there? Would he just oh, be well too away, much? Maybe. I'd love to see. Yeah, be amazing. I'd love to see Duran. It'd probably be his best shot. But um, but uh, I'll go on to the uh, other bit of news because just talking about. I don't it. think he'd beat. Um, I don't think he'd beat Sugar Ray Leonard just for the record. In his prime, no, would be close. No, I'd love it. Just wouldn't. But uh, in other news, and this was uh, in the mirror. Oh, sorry, just before you oh. move on, I did see. Um, it's funny you should mention that because I saw Roger Mayweather get asked, um, and it was something like, oh, "What do you what do you think about Roberta Duran's recent comments, and how would a Floyd stood?" I didn't know yeah. that he Roberta had made those comments, but uh, how do you think Floyd would have stood up? And Roger, I was expecting to go, "Hey, just do it." Me just, and he went, "That'd be a tough, tough fight, real tough." <laughs> Roberto, that man was a beast, <laughs> proper beast. Um, and yeah, so never a true word. Surprised because normally you ask anybody about Floyd fighting. Anyway, you ask Roger that, and he's just like, nah, Floyd school him, <laughs> be a walk in the park. So, anyway, sorry, next, what's the next and, uh, one? You another to one that uh, talking about legendary fights. This one, oh, I'd love to see. Anyway, Vladimir Klitschko was in a nightclub in Ibiza. And uh, bumped really? in, yeah, yeah, bumped into Del Boy Derek Chisora. Oh, you see, now that I can believe, I can imagine Del Boy <laughs> out in a nightclub in Ibiza. Uh, apparently, there was Vlad... a bit of apparently a bit of a standoff. Had to be separated by bouncers. Right, I'll put it this way: yeah, it, but Derek's owed him one for a while. Right. <laughs> in the ring, Vladimir is clearly a step up on the cobbled sun. Uh, there on, those on, out in our beef and mate, on the cobbled streets. streets. <laughs> <laughs> Have a broken WKD in one hand. <laughs> I've given that to Delboy all day long. <laughs> Delboy, yeah. Take his head off clean. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. He lives in Hampstead now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it's all, it's not like that. So really, so what, what happened? No, I have no idea. Where did, where did you hear about this? It was in the mirror. It was reported in the oh, mirror so, newspaper. So a here. proper stand-up. <laughs> a a proper stand-up reporting. That's 100% true. I know, but anyway, that's the, what news do you have? Um, well, the big news, which I'm surprised you didn't mention, and that's apparently Kevin McBride might be fighting Butterbean. <laughs> <laughs> Two oh, legends of the man who retired, Mike Two. Tyson, against the man who... What did Butterbean was famous he for? He punched Johnny Knoxville in, oh, um, yeah. in the uh, film Jackass. There's a new Jackass movie coming out for all you Jackass fans, though. I do like a good yeah, Jackass movie. I like movie. Johnny Knoxville. I mean... I'll give I, you a detail about his life that uh, I don't know if most people know. But um, for the last, like, five years... He's had a every day. He has to put like a metal pipe down the end of his penis and into his like his bladder because he broke it during one of the stunts, not getting hit by a bull or whatever it was. And uh, since then, literally every morning, he has to put this split. Was it hit by a bull? It wasn't. Getting, he didn't get hit by a bull because I saw him. I saw this one. I think it was on Jackass Two, yeah. maybe two. There's one where they do on a rodeo. They're letting arguably the most aggressive mental <laughs> bull you've ever seen. Type in it's something like rodeo bull rodeo or something on YouTube. And it is one of the most terrifying things. You see four of them. They're on like this a four-way seesaw. Oh, that I know. It goes yeah, up yeah. and down. And this thing just comes in and smashes the shit out of it. And it is just it's it's terrifying. terrifying. Anyway, moving on to another big angry bull. Um, I watched an absolutely fantastic interview with our boy Tyson Fury. 
<laughs> that man is fast becoming my favourite. He started throwing out curveballs now, throwing them out. I watched an interview. Uh, he just sat there. He goes, oh, I hate boxing. <laughs> I hate boxing. I genuinely didn't know you were going to say that. <laughs> I hate boxing. I hate training. I wish I could be doing something else. When asked, uh, what is it you'd rather be doing? He goes, no, they'd rather they said, well, why, why are you doing it? And he just perfectly day goes, because of the money. That's what people don't understand. The money is good. You've got to provide it. It's something to do. I'm good at it. I've got I've got good ground skills. I hate the training. He was talking about Huey Fury. His, uh, yeah. He goes, that guy's going to be far better than me because he loves it. It's him. It's his passion. And he, he goes, I absolutely hate it. What? And I was wondering, I was thinking, is this another... Is this another just mind game type <laughs> Fury thing thrown out? When they said, um, what would you be doing if you weren't a boxer? He goes, I don't know, probably working in Greg's because you get free pies. <laughs> <laughs> and he started laughing. Oh, um, boy, it's funny. I'll give and then they, they later on in the interview, they started asking a few other questions. I just want to mention these because these are fantastic. The interviewer said, oh, blah, blah, blah. What's your, um, what do you say, guys? What's your all-time favourite meal? Do you know what his response was? He paused for about 10 seconds, had a little look around the room, had a good old think about it, and then he goes, um, have, have a guess, what do you think he said? Oh, it's not Greg's, is it? No. <laughs> he just went, uh, eggs and chips. <laughs> <laughs> so simple, just <laughs> eggs and chips. And the uh, and the interviewer goes, is that anything else of it? He goes, bit of red sauce. Um, not and, even ketchup? And, no, a bit of red sauce and about 17 slices of bread. <laughs> So I think maybe he's taken, taken a leaf out of the older diet of Primo Canera. So that's, my, sure. that's my dad's favourite meal as well. <laughs> so there you go. So not, that's another thing we could get your dad on with Carl Froch doing DIY and get him on having a uh, egg and chips, <laughs> <laughs> an egg and chips to eat off with uh, Tyson Fury. That could be another. And if regular... you're a reality TV show TV producer listening to this, yeah, and you give want me it. a call because <laughs> my dad would love that. I'm pretty sure he'll be in for that. Um, and the next question, they said, "Where's your best ever holiday travel destination?" Tyson's response: "Hmm, I like Blackpool." Oh, does it? He turned around. He said, "I've been all over the world. I've been to all exotic destinations." Um, and but you just can't beat getting on the beers in Blackpool. He says, I like to get my belly out, <laughs> run up and down, didn't specify where he'd run up and down, just run up and down. And then he said, and this is my favorite bit, he paused, he went, maybe get a fake tattoo on for the day <laughs> and have a cigarette. <laughs> and he finished it off with Bob's your uncle. What a boy, what a boy. Love it. Um, but yeah, at the end of the interview, again, he just, he stressed, he goes, don't care about my legacy, don't care about titles, don't like the sport, it's just about the money. I said that doesn't bode well for... I tried to go to the David Hayes Open gym um, a couple of weeks ago. and um, I heard people were queuing up, like, the night before for that. He said a half, one in the morning yeah. people were queuing up. I mean, I, I went down there, dr- oh, madly hung over, and it was a bacon hot day and uh anyway turn around this corner and just saw two of the biggest bouncers i've ever seen just waiting at the door looking real surly but i i didn't realize i should have waited around because apparently just bought everyone on the queue ice cream nice touch i thought but yeah, in any case yeah that is a nice touch for a man who's he millions he says things. he loves boxing pretty much <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah he does i think he's probably gonna take tyson fury's it'll probably hit him quite hard in the face <laughs> yeah, yeah probably but i'm still re- really looking forward to that fight yeah. anyway right um i'll um I'll move on. Um, I saw this really weird thing. Adrian Broner filmed a little video. I've been posted on the internet. It's a, it's a video of him taking a shit in a fast food restaurant, right? What? Talking to his phone like camera. in the middle of a... Oh, no, in the store? No, yeah, in a store. Okay, He's right. gone into the fast food toilet. He's not just fucking crapping out on the way <laughs> to um, And he's just... Yeah, it's, weird. it's like he's just pulled out the camera and he's just sort of like... He doesn't even know what he's saying. He's got a joke in his yeah. head, but he just stumbles around. And he starts talking some pretty weird he's... shit, and Aww. then, and then he gets up and he says, "I'm just having a shit." Blah blah blah, and he starts filming the toilet, and in the toilet, it's just a load of, load of money. <laughs> it's a load of money yeah a load of money and he goes he gets out and he goes hey I'm even crapping money I'll be honest blah 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 that's a better punchline than I ever thought he was going to come up with when I heard about it I thought that sounds that sounds quite funny but when you watch it the way he does it he doesn't execute it well it isn't like a, just a pile of money with a massive pile of shit just at no, the top no it's not it's about which would be funny it looks though, like about I don't know American currency but it looks about four dollars and he flushes it and like like that that guy is such a and, and he just starts laughing into the camera like maniacally and that's it 
And he thought, yeah, people will love to see that. Well, hopefully before the end of the year, Marcus Maidana can come over and just, again, and punch just, him really, really quite hard in the face. Yeah, he does hit hard himself, that. It would be a good fight. Yeah. But no, anyway, anyway yeah. and finally, uh, final point, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. has sustained a cut on his eyelid in training um, and his apparent result... Uh, it's going to be uh, postponed his fight, which was on the 7th of September against oh. Brian Vera um, at a Staples Centre, and it's going to be pushed back at least three weeks, they're saying. But, Boo. you know. <laughs> I like the way we ended the news with a proper bit of news. Yeah, after. I think that's important <laughs> after a load of people. Just a glimpse of news. Yeah. Anyway, we move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, OK. I, I went to show Garrett that interview with Tyson Fury just to show him a couple of the bits the way... Um, cut into a I, random I cut, bit in I the cut middle. random. It's like a 20-minute interview on YouTube. I cut halfway into it, and the first things out of Tyson Fury's mouth is, well, I, I'd have Wolverine's powers because he can't die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he says it so seriously, like he's been asked the most in-depth question. I like the fact but, he's got a shirt on that says, swag, don't come easy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a touch. That's, yeah. He's a that's funny it, boy. But, all right, let's go on to the reviews, yeah? Okay, yeah. So um, in the last couple of weeks, this one, for anyone who hasn't seen it, because this is absolutely the fight of the year, oh. so far at least. I so um, it was in at the end of July, 27th of July, lightweight division. Two guys who I've pretty much never heard of, but uh, Omar Figueroa versus Nahito Arakawa. And, whoa! Dude, it was... Yeah, it was, it, was, it was the fight card was... Well, we're going to list the next three fights. They're all in the same thing. It was called Knockout Kings 2. Mm. And there was £10,000 going to whoever got the best knockout on the night. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Nice. Um, but they're known as Figueroa. There's that Thurman. Yeah. And the Berto fight. And yeah. they're all everybody involved in it is pretty hard-hitting and hyped up. But, yeah, what were your thoughts? You clearly think it was one of the fights of the years. And... I remember as I was watching, so this is the um, Figueroa Arakawa one. So yeah. it's a little Japanese fellow who might be the politest man in the world, who after every single round, so this is one of the most brutal, violent oh. fights I've, I've, I've ever seen from pretty much round, maybe from round four onwards, round three, four, or literally all the way to the end. There's points where I remember watching and clearly thinking, maybe I should, maybe boxing's a bit of a bad sport. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is brutal. Maybe people should be doing this to each other. But uh, unreal. Well, Changed my opinion on that was Arakawa after every round. So we again this war just throwing exchanging so many heavy blows after every single round, just put out his gloves, touch gloves. I know. I, go back in. I was gonna make the same point. So surreal. Like literally, as you say, at the end after about round I think it was round at the end of round three, there's an accidental clash of heads mm. and Figueroa gets a nasty gash down his nose and he's bleeding right throughout the fight and there is blood all over the place. It's all over um all Arakawa. over Ar Arakawa and it's all over his face and as you say at the end of each round just high pace ferocious they're both covered in blood and surreal they just they oh. just he has that that Arakawa he just at the end of each round he's got the biggest smile on his yeah. face they touch gloves <laughs> and just this big looking nice smile of just like blood and you're just looking at it going that is absolutely insane they both just smile really warmly at each other and like yeah well done mate and you're like <laughs> what the how do you go from that, like trying to kill another man, pretty much? Well, yeah, not, but just trying way. to, like, yeah, just knock their head clean off to I mean, just suddenly, you're right, mate. Yeah, I mean, just if you haven't seen it, just get on and watch it. Like, Figueroa is the better boxer out of the two, but Arakawa just doesn't stop coming forward. I've never oh. seen anyone who's able to walk through such a continuous beat and just, yeah, fight these. He just rested, yeah, he just. He, the difference in the fight was clearly power. Figueroa had bags of it, yep. and Arakawa just didn't. He never looked like he, he hurt, apart from the cut, which was from a head clash. He never looked like he really... Apart that from was... maybe the last two rounds, where ah. it kind of swings back, because it, it, it kind of looked like Figueroa maybe see, almost punched himself out, or at least Arakawa was never... It's like a Terminator. He's just yeah. never going to stop. You see, this is why I, it was an amazing fight. You, if you haven't seen it, go out and see it. But the reason why I wouldn't have it as the fight of the year is because it was it wasn't... Close. It wasn't close. I know what you it mean, was yeah. Figueroa was was winning that fight all the way through. He looked like he had the power. He looked like it was always going to be him. It was unbelievable to look the way the heart of Arakawa and the way he just kept going yeah. forward. But it didn't have that close um, point. But what yeah. because I just want to mention this because you brought up WWE at the start. Um, did you see the ref Lawrence Cole at the start of the fight 
spitting image of a uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, or, sh- <laughs> or should I say Rob Van Damme, <laughs> because he's a bit fuller. But yeah, bizarre. Just, I didn't know yeah, that. <laughs> right at the start, it's just him staring into the camera. I'm like, have I got Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> refereeing? Uh, um, that might have been the only thing yeah. that would make that fight better. So uh, next, next fight, we'll talk about the... Um, We'll talk so about this was the, the main event. This was the, the main the event. Yeah, it was Andre Berto versus uh, Jesus Soto Caras, twelve uh, rounder welterweight division in San Antonio. Um, Caras had a. He's one of those fighters who, um, if you look at his paper record, isn't very good, is it? Really, in but, boxing terms, no, 20, like... twenty-eight wins, eight losses, three draws, eighteen KOs. But as one of the commentators pointed out, which is hopefully a trend that continues. Boxing's getting better at once somebody gets a few losses on their career, they can come back. They can still mm. have, they can still get a big name fight. They can still potentially reach and challenge for a title. Well, I think over the past, as long as they're exciting, oh, I mean, that's yeah. really the main thing. <clears throat> yeah, but anyway, um, yeah. What what were your? I'll say this was on? more than anything else. It's a testament to Andre Berto's toughness. So yeah. um, I did. Uh, I'll say that uh, Berto lost, so he lost over the. Uh, he got knocked out in round was eleven or twelve, and uh, for the whole thing, it's like a testament to Berto's toughness. And the reason for that is he clearly damaged his shoulder after round like three or four. He has got this stubborn, bloody mindedness just to continue. He's also got this is my favorite bit about it. He's he's got the most insanely optimistic corner I have ever heard. Oh, I heard that. It was ridiculous. So Berto's pretty much lost rounds. He won. Say they split like the first like three or four rounds. From round four onwards, it's all Karas. Karas just bashes him across He's the ring. He's fighting one one handed. He, he no, I think it was yeah round three or something. Did he, he yeah. hurt his shoulder? Hurt his shoulder, so he literally can't throw. And then there was that moment. Did you see when he he went to throw a massive left hook when he realised? I mean he yeah. he definitely lost. Uh, he definitely lost a lot of those. I think he lost certainly a couple of the early rounds, and he mm-hmm. realised I've hurt my shoulder. I'm in a lot of pain, taking a lot of punishment. I've got to just throw and hope and he throws a left hook and just pivots and falls clean down on his bad right shoulder and, and just like, like I say oh. not only fell but the way he fell it wasn't oh, one of those things of kind of stumbled this was, this was all his clean. energy and just like a yeah. rock yeah but uh, anyway so it comes to round 11 this, I wrote down this quote just got me laughing out loud so Berto was all fucked up the side of his head is all mashed up he can barely throw punches oh he's still fighting this along with his willpower is insane but anyway goes back to the quarter and uh his quarterman says to him, just stay on your feet and you got this. You got this. Just stay on your feet, man. You got yeah, this. I mean... That's like, oh, I love you, quarterman. I have to say, I was... I, there were a number of points in that fight where the corner was telling him things and I was thinking, what are you doing? I mean, literally in my head, I was thinking, if I was in the corner, I would consider throwing in the towel. Oh, yeah. Because he he's clearly couldn't use his right hand. There was He'd lost the early rounds. He was way behind on the cards. I mean... Why let the guy take that punishment? I mean, He's got a heart of a... I mean, fuck, why let that man get beat up? I guess anyway? this is the reason why it's so amazing. Around 11, Burton knocked Karras down. Just out of nowhere. No, was around, oh, that was a low blow. That was a flush, flush low blow right in the ball sack. Mm-hmm. It was not a knockdown. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Karras isn't hurt. But I guess it's a testament to why it's like a, such an exciting sport. But... um Again, for Kranz, no one knows who he is. He's incredibly tough. Like, he can take punches himself. He's lanky. He's got this... Oh, yeah, yeah. When you look at the, the two guys, they look, they look like they're in a different weight division, don't they? Berto's proper ripped. He's all, yeah. like, big. And, whereas Karras looks, you know, considerably but, smaller of the two. But he's he's taller, so... Yeah. But uh, for Berto, like, his quickness just wasn't enough to compensate for, well, basically yeah. injuring all his you limbs. See, early early to on, he took a lot of punishment on the ropes and things and was just standing there. He didn't hold his guard up. He took a lot of unnecessary punishment, I thought. But the only, his real dangerous weapon in the first three rounds was he had a, a, a brutal right hand and it was really catching, like an, an uppercut, a right uppercut and sharp, quick, powerful, stunning. And then, but when he fucked up his shoulder, the right arm, that, took, that, was his, that was his only real weapon in the fight up to that point. It was unbelievable how he came back into the fight with one hand. He got beat up. And then around round seven, when I was just thinking, throw the towel in, throw the towel in. Out of nowhere, he really does just up his level. One-handed fighter starts jabbing, working his way. I'm still not really in with a shout, but it was just testament to his heart and his courage to stay in there. He's, uh, again, he's... Uh... Fantastic uh, fighter, but yeah. um, it would okay. have been real interesting to see whether or not if he had his right hand, his one K 
out right punch. <laughs> yeah. would have been to win the fight. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, fantastic fight as well. Say. Um, okay, next one on, we'll go to the Keith Thurman v uh, Chavez, yeah? Yeah, so for this one, um, Keith Thurman, he's like an unbeaten uh, welterweight contender. So he's record, I think at the moment, he's gone up to 22 and... Uh, 22 and 0 with uh, like 20 K, uh, 20 KOs. So he's again like one of the biggest biggest hitters in the business. And um, Chavez again for him he had one loss with um, 80 knockouts and two big punchers. And uh, what do you think? It was a, it was a very good fight. There was a lot of talk beforehand about Chavez. You know, is he been fighting taxi drivers down in Mexico? Yeah. Blah blah blah. <laughs> um, which seems to happen to a lot of Mexican fighters <laughs> who come to America. A little bit racist. A lot of tough. Um, Taxi driver. <laughs> yeah, that's true, especially in Mexico. Um, yeah, no, I thought this was a good, close, competitive fight. I thought Chavez, I had Chavez kind of ahead in the first half of the fight. It looked like one of those fights that one of the guys was going to end up getting knocked out. To me, it, it just had that written all over it. They were both hard hitters and um, both good fighters, but at the same time, the, the, the styles that they both got a lot further to progress as far as I'm concerned there's a lot of fine tuning big big punches but they would leave themselves really wide open and exposed and off balance a lot of times and I think if they if I've, I know they're definitely for Thurman they're talk, talking about him stepping up to that top level in his next fight and I think that would maybe be too soon for him because there's some uh, I don't know if that was just for this fight he boxed like that um, he felt overconfident or something but um both of them looked a little bit too wild, looked rough around say, the edges. Let me ask you, for um, as of the welterweight division, for the likes of Kelbrook, yeah, as we were talking about him at the beginning of the show, Kelbrook is rated uh, number four, Thurman's number um, nine, roughly in that kind of okay. welterweight. What do you think of the chance, if that was a fight made I think of... Brooke would, I think Brook would outbox him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a real chance. I don't know. It's maybe not fair because, to be honest, I haven't seen much of Thurman before this fight. Mm -hmm. So I'll 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 admit um, I don't have a huge amount of knowledge. I know he's a big name in America, a big rising star, shall I say? Um, He's been boxing since he's like seven years old. He's been doing it his whole time. He does have serious power. You see the way unloads, and that Chavez is tough, and he. He he knocked him out of the park in the end. So um, yeah, and he is he is skillful and he's good. And you see his combination punches and the way he gets to land. I just I just noticed in that fight you can imagine him with a more disciplined, really skilled, defensively slick boxer. Um, there's a I think he he might find himself struggling. But you know, just right. me. What well, um, the other thing is um, I don't know if you've got anything else to add on that no, fight no, that's um, because I've. There's a great bit at the end, if you watch to the end, after they announced, um, went through all the final announcements and things, and Keith, they get an interview, Keith, and he's there, and he goes, yeah, and he starts thanking people, and when he's finishing on his big finale, he goes, and one thing, I just want to say a massive thank, there's one more thing, Um, I I want to thank this amazing city, and he goes, thank you, San Diego, like that. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's there's no response from the crowd. There's silence. <laughs> and then someone leans in uh, to Thurman and goes, hey, it's uh, San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, oh, he goes, oh, my, my bad, my bad. <laughs> Thanks, San Antonio. Oh, my bad. <laughs> he just looks, he just looks like, oh, fuck it. What have I done? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it just, it just made me laugh. <laughs> Oh, Molly. Um, <laughs> All right, should we move on to uh, yeah, the we'll next just, one? We'll, yeah. I'll keep this one quick. But uh, th- So this was in, uh, a flyweight division, and this was uh, Juan Francisco Estrada, who's uh, ranked uh, number one flyweight versus uh, Milan Melindo. And we were talking about him in the yeah, greatest low yeah, blows a couple of weeks ago. Anyways, for Estrada's WBA and WBO titles. And um, really interesting competitive match. Estrada's like a better boxer, pretty much. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Melindo's real tough. But... Um, yeah, really interesting. I, I think I had my maybe Estrada taking like five or six yeah. rounds there, and then eventually just. I think it was a bit wider on the scorecards, wasn't it? It was quite a one. It was like you eventually wears them down like in nine that. or ten rounds. I think the, the judges had it. Oh no, it was. It was a lot closer than that. But it's one of those things mm. which half the rounds were really hard to judge either way, and then yeah, eventually yeah. the second half Estrada just goes away with it. But he's one to watch. It was a really interesting fight. Okay, fight I got to say, but I um, see it myself. But um, what about the? Uh, Solace fights. Oh, yeah. So this is a heavyweight division fighting in Germany. Our Cuban standout, amateur oh, standout. He's, he's, got, he's got, clearly got some great skills, but he looks like he should only be fighting four-round fights. He's really <laughs> overweight. It's just, unreal. He looks so, just really unconditioned and just... 
So Solis, he's like the 2004 Olympic heavyweight gold medalist, and he's like three or four time like world amateur champion. This incredible talent, and he and you been can see it piling I mean, on the pounds yeah. since he turned a pro, and he's fighting this uh, Russian guy called uh, Jakob Saglum, and I mean it was a hell of a knockout punch. Oh, it was yeah, it was. It's not it's not your armchair type of boxing. In fact, it was it was a fight that was cagey and slow and for me watching it you could you could see that olympic pedigree in solace at times he would do things but they were too brief and there would just be a little flash and then he was too comfortable just dancing around for a heavy guy he knows how to dance around that ring for <laughs> quite a long time i kept thinking like it's just bizarre looking at him the skills and the the that that craft that he's got at times it's you just think he's just 20 years spent in cuba living <laughs> off rice and beans is what it is and yeah. then Started earning money when it's true. That's true. I love cheeseburgers. But so it's I, absolutely if you do if you do like just looking at people getting smashed in the face, then it's worth checking out his uh, knockout punch because wow. It was amazing Solace. that Sagan managed proper. to get up. Wow. He lamped him and then it was like he was pretty much yeah, the referee did. stopped it. But um, it was like look at this huge I don't think you knew out. where he was when he got up. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, that was and I'll quickly mention two other while we're talking about just I've mentioned these two because they're both just first round knockouts. Just um, Curtis Stevens KO'd her soul uh, Roman in the first round of an explosive short fight, which was for that NABF middleweight vacant title. It's an important title. One of my favourites. Yeah. Um, and then have you also the Deontay Wilder? Oh yeah. Um, he uh, so he's now his clubber lang like record of thirty wins with yeah. is a thirty KOs. I mean that was maybe the the most brutal. That you know for that knockout Kings two, they should have given the money to Deontay <laughs> Wilder for his one. I know he won in the competition, but oh shit, fighting in a different country. Yeah, um, but that that was a that was a brutal first round. That was a, that was. I didn't realize Deontay Wilder six foot seven. Oh yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's a big. Little, he's a big old boy, big, but um. Again, 30 wins and 30 years yeah. is insane. And I heard a thing after it. He said that he, there was this, he was asked about it and he goes, yeah, I was, I was really worried there because I suddenly thought, oh, shit, is the guy all right? He goes, I, the one thing, and I just don't, I would hate to be responsible for killing somebody in oh, the wow. ring. And then after that, he goes, but I just love knocking people out, so I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And you're like, well, okay, that's a bit of a change-up. Fair enough. You bloody psycho. Um, right, final fight I want to talk about before we move on to... Yep. This is fantastic. You're going to have to bear with me on the pronunciation on this. It is a Kompayak Propramuk. I'm not pronouncing it right because it's a Thai name and I'm pronouncing it like, I don't know. But Propramuk versus uh, Etu. It's a Japanese uh, Koki Etu. Not Samuel. (laughs) No, not Samuel Etu. It's it's Koki. (laughs) Koki, and that's spelled K-O-K-I. Um, but yeah, this was fought at a flyweight division in Bangkok, Thailand, the land of a thousand dreams. Uh, the fight was for the vacant WBA title, and um, I found the fight on all the best land fights. Land of a thousand prostitutes, <laughs> they got fine, but no, uh... it's a land of uh, ten million, <laughs> 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 aka everyone's a prostitute. If you got the money. I think the prices are about. 50 baht, which <laughs> is about 70p or $1. Lovely. Um, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, this, this one, I found it on all the best fights on the website. I noticed people have given it a four-star rating. I thought, hello, I'll mm. check this out. This sounds like, you know, pretty good. First thing, the fight took place in a big tent, which is <laughs> Everyone loves that. Had about 1,000 people or so standing around the edge. Um, uh, and... Uh, Great start to the fight. Uh, Pro Pramuk and his team decided to uh, sing what I'm assuming was the Thai national anthem um, all by themselves without any backing music nice. or anything. So it's just four of them, each one of them more out of tune than the last, <laughs> just singing. Even the even like the native Thai people in the background were just sort of looking like, I'm pretty sure I saw quite a few people going, what, what, are, you, what are you guys doing? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Uh, so that was an interesting start. Straight away, I gave it three stars just for that. <laughs> I'm not even watching the fight. Um, and then the next fact to point out is the uh, there was a height difference. Etu's from Japan, and that guy's wather thin. Man, Wapper. that guy is wather thin. He, he's, I'd say he's a good foot taller than <laughs> at the flyweight. Slight exaggeration, but no, honestly, a good like nine, nine inches really yeah 
It's, re oh, it's ridiculous. Real it's at the flyweight. He's massive. Like, Pramuk comes up to, like, just about comes up to his shoulders. That's insane. Yeah. So, anyway, but as I say, waffer a thing. But, yeah, so... Uh, Pramuk, he's got a record of 50 wins, three losses. I think he was a bit of a favourite for this. Etu is relatively inexperienced, had a record of 13 wins, two losses, one uh, draw going into the fight. Anyway. Damn, big differences in records. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, as it's I say, it was for the vacant WBA title. Um, anyway, great little fight. Worth checking out if you've got the time. Get on there. Uh, the crowd were fantastic throughout. They started doing this like. It's like, I guess, like a football style. You know, those chants when, I mean, it doesn't really apply because in football, when crowds get bored, so like, oh, their team's getting beaten badly, yeah. when they start stringing a pass together, they go, hey, 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 <laughs> like that. But the type, every time Propramit landed a punch, yay, <laughs> but it was like a proper close competitor. And they were going, just every punch landing, you're like, ah. Oh, that's quite funny. They'll get bored of that. No. <laughs> round after round. Like they were loving one of the that. judges just yeah. in there going, one, one guy is taking this one. <laughs> Man, this is a whitewash. Um, <laughs> but yeah, great little fight. Um, and probably the best bit in the fight is uh, right near the end. It's round 12, final round. Um, Etu throws probably about like 100 hooks in a 30 second <laughs> period. He just goes nuts. And he's just, he's just, afraid. it's the best thing. Do you remember that fight from, oh, I think it was yeah. 2006. It got Ring Magazine's fight of the year. It was against, a, um, it was against a, another Thai guy, uh, Sith Chachwal or something like that. He's fighting a Frenchman, uh, Mayamo Monsipur or something like that. I'll have that. to put but, up the link. Yeah, the look out. It's fantastic. But there's a bit in the fight early on where basically this Sith Chachwal Thai guy decides I'm going to throw about 30 odd left uppercuts <laughs> in a row and it is ridiculous he just bends to the side and he just throws one left uppercut after the other and it is one of the most ridiculous I remember the first tactics. time I've seen that and it's genuinely one of the greatest <laughs> tactics I've ever seen fantastic he lands a fair few but he misses a hell of a lot sticks <laughs> with it um, but yeah listen I'll um both of those fights are <laughs> worth checking out so uh, I won't spoil the end it's yep. a good little fight um, interesting and worth checking out. I haven't seen that one. So anyway, yeah, we'll stick up the links on the website and have a look. Yeah. Okay, well, that wraps it up for the reviews this week. Peace. Please hang up and try again. Okay, so we're going to do... was uh, my favourite segment of the show. Didn't used to be a boxer. Yeah, so uh, our um, weekly feature where we look back over the lives of uh, some kind of past boxers. Legends. Legends and see what they're up to now. Or just interesting characters. But, um, and I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure most of the ones I picked are all dead. So I found one, people. He's alive. Yay! He's alive. And I'll give a detail out there. Is you he can, well? You can contact this guy. And I'll give you out his address later on. Who is it? So it's the... You uh, can contact him. Oh, fuck yeah. So Michael, second to none. Oh, lovely. So uh, there's a quote from him from uh, the 2008 Des Moines Register newspaper. And he said, If I never fight again in my life, I'm the happiest man in the world. That's lovely. Love that. <laughs> so uh, basically, he's the former IBF middleweight and uh, WBA super middleweight champion. A bit like Tyson Fury, just doesn't just like Just hates it. For <laughs> slightly different reasons for this guy's. Anyway, so um, in all, he won uh, 58 fights, just lost uh, four, knocked out like 40 of his uh, guys, yeah. earned somewhere in the region like $6 million. And the rest. You look, just type in, he's like a real handsome, real charming looking guy. And they'll see if it's a slow decline into... <laughs> anyway. I think it is. So, yeah. So, anyway, he was um, born in uh, Iowa. He'd so he... gone the old bugle, didn't he? <laughs> 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 and, uh, anyway, so he won um, three Iowa Golden Gloves titles and he had, like, this standout amateur career of, like, 170 wins and just, like, uh, 10 or so losses. And uh, he, apparently he's, like, just one victory away from the US uh, Olympic team in 1998. Didn't make it. Anyway, in July 1998... So you, you could argue that he was... He was... A sec, sort of a runner-up to the... Olympic <laughs> <laughs> team. He was perhaps second to some of the other fighters, perhaps. You might argue. You might argue that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you listeners managed to catch in on that joke, that little play on his uh, nickname. Clever. Very clever. Very. <laughs> and uh, basically, so he's this uh, top kind of inner-city kid. And, uh, but in 1998 after he turns professional and becomes like the talk like the uh, boxing world and um, he gets like a ninth round TKO of this guy called uh, Frank Tate he's like a former Olympic gold medalist and um, 1998 he becomes 
the IBF champion, middleweight champion. So this okay. is a prominent rise almost yeah, like straight yeah. away. Starts hanging out with like movie stars. He's like a fleet of like fancy cars. Do you know any, do you know any names in particular? He, he was claimed to be like the next Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah, this I was, know, but I mean any movie stars. I could name some 80s movie stars yeah, if yeah, you like. Yeah, just, name some for yeah, me. What joke did you want to make? No, no joke. <laughs> <laughs> I just wondered if you genuinely had any. Rick Moranis. God, I can't get a joke out of that. <laughs> um, I was hoping for uh, Emilio Estevez. <laughs> nice. Are you going to say second to Emilio Estevez? No. I didn't see where that joke was going. No, it's not right. I just realised. No. Right. So, Is it but, worth starting this again? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've derailed it twice now. <laughs> Basically, he was known as having like all the kind of tools. He was like tall, left-handed. He was six foot two. He had a great reach. In his prime, he was like... The, described it as just poetry. So uh, Al Bernstein, who's the guy who does um, oh, yeah, like a yeah, boxing yeah. analyst on um, HBO and things, said just as a boxer, this guy, just a pure boxer, was close to almost perfect. And um, Bert Sugar, the former... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's former, he's not dead. No. He's like a long-time boxing historian and author. And, um, he is dead, isn't he? And there were times, this is quote, there were times <laughs> earlier in Nunn's career where you just couldn't hit him with the backside of a buckshot. <laughs> don't really know what that means. Oh. But he summed it up with, he could move. Always love Bertrand. I think what that means is a buckshot isn't that off a shotgun, and it yeah, spreads. It, it spreads out really wide. Well, okay, so. so basically, he was. If you've never seen him, he's like real young, handsome, real athletically gifted, and um, he hobnob with stars. I'll give you a couple of the stars if you want some. Gene Hackman. Oh, lovely. Yeah, go on, keep him coming. Michael J. Fox. Oh wow, was that before or after um, Back to the Future? <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, I think he wishes he could go back to the... <laughs> like, oh! Hell. Yeah, And uh, basically, he, was, like, he used to give out like, boxing tips I've to a young Michael, Michael Jordan. J- I've heard Michael J. Fox um, is racist. <laughs> what? That's just what I heard. Where'd you hear that? I can't remember. He's one of the most lovely men in Hollywood. Yeah, but apart from... To are you, say, are you saying he was struck down by Parkinson's as... For- it's revenge. As karma. Yeah. That, and that, I've heard he's... That I've heard he's bold and exaggeratedly. Just what I've heard, apparently he didn't like ethnic minorities. Uh, as long as you were white, he was lovely. <laughs> as long as you were white, uh, but... Uh, that's uh, your third go derailing art and you used to be a well, boxer's effort. I can't, how, can't... How many black people can you name in back, the Back to the Future trilogy? Oh, good. Good question. <laughs> See? There was one guy in the bar, I was, think, served him the dock up that... The mayor. That wake-up juice. The mayor. The mayor no. of the town. Oh, no, yeah, no. That's like one of the big important scenes. Or oh, I'm going back. Did, didn't you used to be a boxer? I <laughs> <laughs> right. derail this anymore. Anyway, right. so after uh, Nunn's win over Tate to get the IBF thing, he then went on to uh, defend his uh, title. And uh, like some like incredibly good guys, like uh, Sumbu Kumbale. And uh, it was apparently like um, Nunn's like, first million dollar uh, payday. Anyway, guess like... Who- Beat Iran Barkley, Marlon Sterling. Ooh, Eventually beat uh, Don Curry, who is okay. like one of the greatest welterweights of all time. Yeah. And um, so May 1991, and this is pretty much, he's at the pinnacle of his career, and he fights the upcoming challenger, James Lights Out Tony. <laughs> and, one, um, one, another legend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, James, he's pro- probably the best at the time, was he? Uh, well, he's getting you um, Young and up and coming, but Nunn was like a massive odd on favourite to beat this guy. Anyway, this was like, um, uh, Nunn takes like the first like, half of the fight. Anyway, comes to like round 11, and then Nunn drops his hands for like a split second, and James Tony takes that chance. <laughs> just, plan, just a massive left hook, and you can look what this up on YouTube. Nunn is just machine. all over the shop. Anyway, that one, he lost his title. Falls to the floor, and that is the downward spiral <laughs> begins from here Seriously, on out. Seriously, that's the first. I mean, this is, I love this uh, quote, it's just summed up, his boxing promoter at the time, a, dang, uh, sorry, a guy called Dan Goosen, uh, managed Nunn, and I said, they asked him about this, about what happened to Nunn and his spiral, and he said, listen, you hang out with rats, you're going to eat cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know what that means? Don't know what that means either, but I love it. Anyway, so, the reason, what happened to him, federal court records show that between April 83 and April 2002, Nunn was cited on 28 times for different law, uh, law enforcement infringement. So this is drug possession, traffic violations, unlawful use of weapons, driving with like a suspended license, assaulting a police officer. Okay, now. This is my favourite one. Interfering with official acts. Don't even God, know what that, that means, but he's doing that. That is... And uh, basically all of these incidents, the majority of these all took uh, place before the James Tony loss. So he's still, he's going good guns, blah, 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 blah. <coughs> uh, sorry, um, most of these took... 
I completely fucked that up. Before the James Tony thing, he's like, yeah, yeah, a bit of yeah. thing with the law. After the James Tony loss, all of these. And spirals out. After like the 28, 25 of these things are out. He starts interfering with official acts. Yeah, I mean, none wasn't even like um, that much of a. His police record show he might be a bit of a scumbag. But uh, he was apparently like quite nice. So one of these stories, he goes back to a block party back at his. Uh, they kind of run down the state that he comes from. And uh, basically just turned up with like $150 bills and just threw them up in the air for all the local $150? I didn't no, think no, they like made $150. <laughs> <laughs> you need uh, to word that better because that's confusing. $50 and $100 bills. Anyway, it goes back oh, home. Oh, right. Okay. Just like it starts uh, making it rain for all the kids and they run around the place and picking all, this, all the money up just to be kind of nice and whatever. Anyway, by uh, 1995, it showed that he'd accumulated debts of $5 million. 4.66 against assets of about half a million dollars. So just the Good boy been out in the town just lacing it up. Living it up. And then, uh, funny, like, these, in 1998, he had this close kind of split decision loss and that was, by this stage, he's like turned into his kind of late 30s. He put on weight. His personal debts are just kind of mounting. And then eventually, March 1905, four years after being world champion, boom, that's it. Has to file for bankruptcy. After that, it just became like a feeding frenzy. So all these guys you used to hang out with, all these rats... But he's living with you're going to eat cheese, eat cheese, yeah. cheese. and uh, I love that all of this. So he's got loads of stories about uh, palimony from like women that he um, had kids with and blah 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 blah. Don King, his former promoter. Oh, I bet he stood up for him. Oh, Don King, he's a stand. Don King, guy. after he filed for bankruptcy, he probably lent him some money, did he? First Saw thing, Don out, comes so in, puts in a claim, one million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> love him. It's a shock. Just fantastic. Anyway, so the fall, and this is where it gets um, well, depending on you look at, I suppose. Anyway, comes in two thousand and two. August 2002, and uh, none at this stage. He kind of goes back to his former life of inner city, eating cheese, eating cheese and whatnot. Anyway, he goes, turns up to a hotel room, and uh, he's presented with 2.2 pounds of cocaine, and he says, "I'll definitely buy that. I want to sell it on the streets." Unfortunately, he was buying all up his old nostrils, <laughs> didn't he, mate? Got him up the old. Tummies. He really should have done. <laughs> and um, basically, they, what they said is 2.2 pounds worth of cocaine as a street value back then, about 25 grand. Because he sold it to an FBI undercover agent, and considering his past record, 24 years in prison Oof, for two point two for 25 grand. Like a, well, he a cleared, harsh. Unfortunately, clearly he said, yeah, so what is he doing now? I would have thought you'd get time off for selling it to an FBI agent. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to use it. It's selling it on the street that's worse. <laughs> FBI agent's just going to put it away in a bank or something. Oh, well, what's he doing now? Well, he's a Federal Correctional Institute, Sandstone. He's inmate number 11172-3. No wonder you, you've got his address. And, uh, basically he ain't going nowhere, is he? This is, he kept on getting moved in and out of prison. But I think he was in Leavenworth at some stage, was it real? kind of hellhole but um, eventually so his typical day is that he gets up at like 7 o'clock and he's hanging around with the other inmates have you been waiting to him? His t- fuck it listen his typical day earns between somewhere about 12 and 41 cents an hour I mean if you know anything about the American privatised prison system they love having as many people in jail as humanly possible making them work and paying them fuck all money but um, anyway he's due to be released uh, he got sentenced in 2004, and again, he gets like a 24 Has years. He managed to save up for that money he owes Don King yet. <laughs> <laughs> How much an hour does he get paid again? I love it. Basically, when he's apparently the, some guy interviewed him from this newspaper a couple of years ago and said, when he isn't running, he's just reading. Loves the Bible, motivational texts, all that type of good stuff. And um, he spends his afternoons in class and he's completed his like high school diploma. His quote now, they asked him what recommend to kids go to school, get an education. There's no money in the world that's worth being in jail. It doesn't have to be like this. This is what happens when you make bad choices. Oh, good friend. Which I liked. But uh, basically, he still gets letters, letters from friends and letters from fans. Gets like a 30 or so month. If you write to him, he will respond because he's in jail oh, for 24 years. Doing. No, I'm So uh, I can post this up. I'll give him like the address. I'll stick it on the website. You can literally just write this guy a letter. He'll write back to you. Yeah, He's got something else to do. I'll say, chin up, mate. You're doing all right. I'm there yeah. with you. But uh, the moral of that story is, if you're going to sell drugs... Sell it to kids. Straight to kids. <laughs> don't give it out to fucking people in the sell FBI. Because kids, kids, they don't even fucking pay attention to where you live, where the transaction happened. No. Even if they get caught, they're just going to go, Look, I, I don't know, mate. You get kids in court, just intimidate the fuck out of them and just say, listen, just know. You can stare them down. They're only children, for God's sake. Sell yeah. to kids. The moral of that fucking story. Michael yes. Nunn fucked that up. But... um. That's it. That's all I didn't used to be a boxer for this week. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. Thanks. And mm-hmm. just for the record, don't sell drugs to kids. We were um, joking. <laughs>
uh, into the next part of the show, and we're happy, more than happy to welcome back friend of the show, boxing legend, Roberto Hands of Stone oh, Duran. Brilliant. I mean, the Panama Panamanian post, rather, has been out of commission for the past few weeks. Um, but we got him. Yeah. Eventually. Apparently, apparently the postman had been uh, temporarily drafted into national forces to help fight an uprising. <laughs> which uh, I believe, believe has now been crushed, and so this is our back to normal, people. So Lovely. You got any? You got any letters you want to write to Roberto? Any advice you're seeking? Send it in. Um, okay, so we got an email from somebody, and he just signed it B. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't, didn't leave a full name, uh, but his he has a, his email address is uh, Peterborough Boy at uh, actually I don't know should I I probably shouldn't give no, out the full email that, yeah. address, uh, but it's B anyway, um, and. Yeah, so he's got a message for Roberto. Um, so it's a Mr. B or Mrs. B, maybe. Don't know, do you? Yeah? yeah. For, for Reeves, let's call him, what? Give him the name. Bar- Bazza. Bazza. Or Bo- Bobby. Yeah, Bazza. All right, Bazza. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Bazza starts off with, Dear Roberto, right? That doesn't mess about getting to this. Dear Roberto, some wanker keeps pissing all over the toilet seat at work. It's disgusting, right? And I'm talking about spelling-wise. It's disgusting, right? It's D. It's D E S G O S T I N G, right? It's not one typo, two in that. I'm assuming it means it's disgusting, but it's disgusting, right? When, when it, and he follows it up quickly with, whenever I need to take a shit, I have to whip all the piss off the seat. And again, I think he means wipe. He left the E off. Whip all the piss off the seat. Someone is definitely doing it on purpose. That's the end. B. That genuinely does piss me off. I hate that when people yeah. do that at work. We, we hear you about it. It is disgusting. It's fucking disgusting. Right. <laughs> Whipping I mean, piss letters. <laughs> <laughs> Might be my favourite letter ever. It just comes in. It is it's ridiculous. But um, yeah, poor old poor old uh, Bazo is obviously overwhelmed with rage that he uh, when he wrote that and he put a few typos in there. Um, but now normally, right? I would tell listeners not to worry about spelling mistakes or typos, you know. If you're sending something in to us, don't worry about it, mate. We're not fucking... We're not English teachers, are we? Um, but I will stress the point that um, Roberto is a man who has a very basic grasp of English <laughs> language. And even at the best of times, when you're grammatically accurate, he still struggles <laughs> to understand what you're asking. OK, now this is... This is highlighted in his response here. Okay, um, I'm just going to read it out. I love this one. This is classic. <laughs> right? You piss and you shit on seats. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> right? What you do is up to you. But what are you asking me? Question mark. <laughs> you want a new job? <laughs> you want a new job? Question mark. And then he just finishes it with... Cada quin en sus casa es rey. Now, I've obviously butchered the translation but or pronunciation, but apparently it means everyone is king in his own house. <laughs> so, read into that what you will, people. Um, good stuff. I hope that helps you, Baza. Yet again, Roberto manages to cut through any confusion <laughs> and get to the root of the problem. Yeah? Lovely. So, uh, any other questions people want to have read out, you know? We'll give the details out at the end of the show, won't yeah. Thanks, Roberto. Fantastic. And thanks, Baza. You, <laughs> you, I hope you, your whip problems, <laughs> piss whip problems get better sometimes. Yeah, soon. it's disgusting. <laughs> okay, we're gonna uh, we're gonna run through the uh, so into the last part of the show, and we'll do uh, the previews, previews of uh, what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. All right, first run Saturday, August seventeenth, two thousand and thirteen, is a twelve rounder in the middleweight division for um, the IBF title in Atlantic City. Yeah, so in this one, Daniel Gill, the Australian, versus England's Darren Barker. Fuck all idea why they're fun in Atlantic City, I have to say. Oh, but, um, it's a midway point, isn't it, between England and Australia? It's <laughs> literally... No, it's, it's a, a equidistant between the two cities. You might as well flip a coin and say, we'll have it in one of your backyards rather than making everyone travel. But nonetheless, so... Um, well, I don't know. So, uh... I guess if anyone doesn't know, so Darren Barker is like the former uh, British and European middleweight uh, champion. So, and what they consider this is, in the UK at the moment, there's like um, three fellows, so, uh, Matt Macklin, Martin Murray and uh, Barker, who are all in the top ten middleweights in the world. 
And apparently the plan is, as long as one of them wins a world title, they'll take it back to England, hold on for it for about five years, oh, yeah. just fighting each other. Pass on, to, pass on to Chris Eubank Jr. Exactly. <laughs> so just hold on for a decade. But um, Darren Barker, so his record is, he's, look, his record's fantastic. It's uh, 25 with just a one loss. But uh, for Darren Barker, he's considered like, to be like a really um, slick boxer. And um, Daniel Gill, for his part, is a... Uh, What's his name? It's from Tasmania. I'm sure it was like the Tasmanian Devil or something. No, that's the that's Vinnie Paz. Is the that Tasmanian is Tasmanian Devil. Devil. But uh, for Daniel Gill, I've never seen anyone who loves a split decision, a dubious split decision, <laughs> quite as much as this. It's a fella. great thing to be renowned for, isn't it? Oh, it's so good. I love go, it. And, and uh, when people give predictions, I'm going to knock him out in the fifth. I'm going to do. No, I'm going to win it on a split decision. You never hear anybody saying that in a. Apparently, it's from like an Aboriginal background. And uh, basically, there was some other Australian champion, uh, champion called um, Anthony Mundine. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I apparently, they had yeah. a big, massive flare-up between the pair of them. And just saying, listen, he's not he's not Aboriginal enough. It's some, generally something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. In any case, that uh, we'll give it like a best of luck to uh, Darren Barker because, um, again, this will be the... If he wins this, it's not so much a big t- payday, but it'll be a massive payday once he comes back to the UK. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. Brings it back over here. So, um, anyway, wish that's him, the... Wish uh, him well. Yeah, wishing him well. So that's in the next do weeks. those Aussies over again like mm-hmm. they're doing them in the ashes, man. <laughs> <laughs> we love to beat Australians at sports because there's nothing an Australian prizes higher in life. But beat the palms. No, than just sport. <laughs> just love it. It's the be-all and end-all. So when they lose, mm-hmm. fucking get in there. It's a bitter pill to swallow. Get in there, you Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on. On to the next one. So uh, for this one, it's the uh, light heavyweight division. And this time, Wales' his own Nathan Cleverley uh, giving up his WBO title... Uh, giving up his WBO title. <laughs> He's put it on the line yeah. versus uh, Sir Guy uh, Kovalev. And um, I, <laughs> I, was, I was looking up on Google about uh, Kovalev and just seeing how... He's a bit like a big knockout artist. He knocks out pretty much like all his opponents. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's like twenty-one <clears throat> wins and nineteen knockouts, and cleverly is like twenty-six wins and whatever. Anyway, and um, anyway, go online, look it up about Kovalev. First video down on YouTube is Carl Froch. Headline: <laughs> They ask Froch, "Would you find Nathan Cleverly?" He goes, "He's not even a world champion." I mean, he's got the WBO title, but yeah. I don't even count that. It's not, it's not even one. Good old, good old Frotchy, always making friends. <laughs> the Doing the old PR friendship. But uh, for this one, flag. It's a, Kovalev pretty much knocks all his opponents out in like three rounds. So yeah. the only question is whether or not Nathan Cleverly can, if he can take he's him into tough. the... He's a tough boy. He is. It? I mean, he's a good boy. He's an excellent boxer. He's got incredible uh, stamina. He's got good skills. He just doesn't punch that hard. So it's um, yeah, just a big puncher against some guy who's got... Can he outlast him, pretty much? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But um, I think it's, it's a right. It's it's a right. So it's a better fight for Cleverly to have got. It's given his past. It's a. It's a. It's yeah. He's the it's underdog in this. Just a slight underdog going in. I was looking at the uh, Arthur Paddy parrot the other day. I didn't know that. I thought he would. I thought he was still. I thought he was a slight favourite. Apparently, Kovalev <laughs> is like a big. They're on HBO. They're like big fans of him because he knocks everybody oh, okay. out. So, in any case, it's... he won't knock Cleverly out. I'll go on record say that now. And which you might want to get some money down on no. Cleverly to land. You never know. Anyway, uh, what else is coming up? There's a, a rematch. So Enzo Macronelli uh, against Oville McKenzie. Yeah. So um, again, it's, I'm a big fan of Enzo Macronelli. He was like, he's he got done some... for drugs, didn't he? No, he yeah, was. He um, did. He's good, he's... mate. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. What type of drugs? Oh, performance Co- enhancing. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure. He did the old. Oh yeah. Well, I didn't know what I was taking. It was a mistake. Blah yeah. blah blah. But I don't think I've ever heard a boxer go. Oh yeah. No, I was. I was juicing myself. Silly. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get an advantage. I was cheating my bollocks off. Yeah. They all say I didn't know what I was taking. So. But uh, Macronelli. So he used to be. Um, he was the one-time WBO cruiserweight champion, and uh, towards the twilight of his career, decided to step down in weight. And which hasn't really suited him because he keeps on getting knocked out. But um, in any case, he's coming up against uh, Oval McKenzie, who's um, like a decent. He used to be uh, like a two-time uh, Commonwealth Commonwealth uh, light heavyweight title. So uh, a prize fighter winner if you're into the three fights in one even. Yeah, I've, I have to say you got don't forget some of the great prize fighters this country's had. Audley, A4 Saracen, <laughs> eh? You know, that's not... Any excuse to bring that... <laughs> bring mate, A4's name mate, up. we've got to get him on every show. <laughs> got to mention him. He's, he is the king of the prize fighters. Oh, How many did he win? I lost count, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I lost was... count of those three-round three round mini-tournaments. He, he keeps yeah. and loves them. And uh, anyway, what else is coming up? So on the um, 24th of August, so in a couple of weeks' time, there's a Kubrat 
Pulev in the heavyweight division coming up against Tony Thompson. Which I like. I like that one. Yeah. And then uh, Thompson for his... Uh, Pulev is unbeaten. I think he's got like 17 yeah, I wins think, or whatever. I think Pulev is probably... Tough Bulgarian. Well, I think he's slightly... Isn't he slightly, slightly overrated in terms of on his ranking, I'm sure people are saying. But uh, Tony Thompson maybe... We're just a big fan of Tony Thompson because he seems like the world's nicest fella. Except to his wife. Oh, who? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe she loves it. Well, you'd hope so. Maybe she loves getting put in a wheelchair for fucking sexual... Expertise. Well, yeah. Anyway, and, um, you're, for anyone who's just listened to this show for the first time, go back and listen to the last show, otherwise that sounds... Makes Tony Thompson sound or, like a lunatic. Or just listen to Tony Thompson's uh, pre-fight and post-fight interview with this uh, David Price, where he... He talked about how he's just going to ruin his wife, Mrs. Mm. Thompson. He goes, I'm going to just fuck her brains out. Hadn't had sex for a long time. Loved it. Yeah. And uh, the last one, I guess we'll round up, is um, this one I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Featherweight Division for Abner Maris versus uh, Johnny Gonzalez. Yeah. I like Johnny Gonzalez because he spells his name J-H-O-N-Y. Love that. But... um, Abner Maris has to be. He's the favourite for that, isn't he? Yeah. like Maris is... He's unbeaten. He's 26 wins with uh, just the one draw. But I watched him last time against uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon and it was just oh, such yeah. a good, that was a great fight. crazy fight. Now, Maris is real tough. He's a fantastic, um, fantastically talented fighter. And um, But uh, Gonzalez is just like a bit of a Mexican fight legend. He's got like 54 wins with like 50 knockouts or something yeah. close to it. But uh, anyway, those will be the ones to look forward to All in right, a couple of weeks. Brilliant. Okay, well that wraps up the show. Unless... I mean, Garrett, unless you want to mention this recommendation of the week, which has been on our schedule for, <laughs> yeah, every single week since we started the show, and you've I, never mentioned I normally, I think you've mentioned it twice, and I've had to edit it out. Because <laughs> we ran, ran out, out of time. Okay, uh, there's a writer, a, a recommendation for anyone like ah, sitting at home. Let's leave it. There's, <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, a, there's a writer called uh, AJ Liebling, who was uh, wrote in the uh, 20s and 30s and 40s. And um, if you've ever wondered why Don King uses phrases like boxiana, and talk about the fistic arts. It's because A.J. Liebling is one of the greatest writers of all time and love boxing. Yeah. And um, just wrote about essays extensively. So um, he's got a book. You can find it on Amazon for like a tenner or whatever. Just type in A.J. Liebling, look him up and have a read. Can give out his spelling? Uh, it's A.J. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? L-E-I-B-L-I-N-G. I, yeah, Liebling. Yeah, Liebling. Well, you know. <laughs> Don't know why that made me laugh. Maybe Basil was listening. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be, he'd be, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't know what's going on, mate. Leaving, where'd you start there? But, uh, God, we'll give back the details of the show with that. All right, listen, just if you want to get in contact, if you want to, um, you know, if, you, if you're writing to Michael Nunn and you want to drop us a line while you're doing it, you yeah. know, to to copy us in, maybe, if you want to... can't send an email to prison, can you? No, it has to be post. How long do you think it'll take before they start getting internet in the prisons? I'd, I'd imagine never, because there'd be... You know, it's a punishment. You can't just be sitting at home jerking off to YouTube. Yeah, but give them a bit of internet. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. If you want to get in contact, uh, we've got a Twitter feed, which is twitter.com punchdrunkboxing. Oh, sorry, no, uh, punchdrunkpod. I never use it. I don't think Garrett really ever <laughs> uses it. But um, And email is uh, punchdrunkboxingpodcast uh, at gmail.com. So, and obviously, yeah, we're up on iTunes. Um, Spread the word, isn't it? Subscribe, give us a like. Follow us. Send us send us an email or yeah, we're on Facebook as well. Type in the uh, Punch Drunk Boxing Podcast. We got a group on there. Chuck us some questions. Yeah. And uh, know. anyway, yeah. Thanks for listening. See you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Peace.